name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This particular gospel reading today we find in not only the gospel of Matthew, but we also find it in the gospel of Mark and the gospel of Luke. And it's interesting that both the Gospel of Mark and Gospel of Luke talk about only one demoniac, whereas Matthew mentions two. And some of the patristic commentators will say that it's the same exact story, but Mark and Luke are talking about the most notorious of the two demoniacs, and it doesn't really change the story at all. Um, it just, uh, when you look at it from the different angles of the different evangelists, you get a fuller picture. So I wanted to just summarize from the three evangelists, not just the one. So Jesus comes to the Sea of Galilee, and he comes to this area that has different names. The Gergesenes, the Gadarenes, the, and there's another one too, the Yerasenes. But it's all the same area. And he gets off his boat, and he knows about these demoniacs. He knows of their reputation. They are so, these two human beings are so possessed that they are wild, they're without clothing, they don't any longer live among other human beings, they don't live in homes, they live among the tombs, They used to be chained, but they broke the chains because the demons that were in them gave them superhuman strength. And the people from the nearby villages don't come anywhere near these two demon-possessed individuals. As a matter of fact, when Jesus encounters them, they call themselves legion because they are possessed by so many demons. They recognize who he is. At the moment that they encounter him, they say, Jesus, the Son of God, have you come to torment us before our time? What do you have to do with us? For they know that God is allowing them a certain amount of freedom, not complete freedom, as I will get to in a moment, but a certain amount of freedom so that human beings can exercise their free will, so that they can use their freedom to choose whether they are going to love God, to be obedient to God, to follow God, and to become like God or not. They know that it's only at the end that they will then be bound and that they will be cast into hell forever. So Jesus is recognized by the demons, whereas over and over and over again, human beings fail to recognize him for who he really is. We should take note of that. How spiritually sensitive are we? Do we have the eyes of our heart as open as the eyes in our head? Do we have our ears really, really, really tuned in and open? Do you know Jesus over and over again says, He who has ears, let him hear. Of course they heard him, but did they really hear him? They, these demons in these two human beings beg Jesus 
to cast them not into the abyss before their time, but into a herd of swine that were grazing nearby. Hundreds of pigs. And the, some commentators will say, see, when there are swine nearby, spiritually speaking, you see what happens to human beings. So they look at this in a spiritual sense. Jesus bids them to leave those two human beings and to go into that herd of swine. And I want you to notice immediately what happens to the entire herd of swine. They go crazy. They go bananas, as Father Thomas said. (laughs) They go so crazy that they run off the cliff and they drown themselves in the Sea of Galilee. The blessed Theophylact, looking at this event and also looking at what St. John Chrysostom, who lived earlier than him, said, he said, look what happens to the herd of swine when Jesus does not hold the power of those demons back. What would happen to human beings if God gave the demons full reign over us? How powerless we would be. How many more people would end up destroying themselves completely because they're powerless without God's help in the face of demons. You could easily read that story and not take note of that. So you should never, ever, ever think that God is not there at your call by your invitation to help you in spiritual warfare. So those pigs are gone. Mark and, and Luke say that the two men, immediately after the demons left them, were back in their right mind. They were able to receive clothing from Jesus and his disciples. And when the herdsmen had left and gone to the village and had brought some of the villagers back to see what had happened, they see the two men sitting at Jesus' feet, worshiping him, clothed and in their right mind. How instantaneous is the transformation that takes place in these men's lives once the power of Christ frees them from the tyranny of the evil one and his demons. What a contrast before and now after. Think about the society and the world. The closer we draw to Christ, the more centered we are in his church, the more truly human we become, the more sane we become, the more godly like Christ we become. It's natural for us, even though it doesn't seem so in a fallen world. But if you think that the society, the further it gets away from God, the further it gets away from the life of the church, becomes insane, then you can see the effect that God has on a human being and on a community of human beings. The last thing that I want to point out to you in this story, which to me can be the most frightful of all, when the villagers see what had happened, Both the power of God 
and what had happened to their livelihood, the pigs, that they had invested lots and lots of time and money in. They became afraid on the one hand, and they understood their loss, humanly, earthly speaking. And they begged Jesus to leave them. Now, why do you think that Jesus came? Do you think that he came only for those two men? Or do you think that he would have loved to have been invited to stay and have an impact on that entire village? But when those people begged him to leave, notice he did not argue. He did not enter into conflict. He didn't say, but I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Give me a chance, and I will show you who I really am. They begged him to leave, and he immediately got in the boat with his disciples, and he left that shoreline, maybe never to return in his ministry. So the frightening part of this story that I want to end with is that if we tell Jesus to leave, he will leave. If we ask him to come, he will come. In the book of Revelation, he says to one of the churches, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Which side of the door do you think that the doorknob is on? On Jesus' side or on our side? On our side. We're the ones with our freedom that choose either to open the door to Christ or to close the door to Christ. He will never violate our free will. He will never, ever force his way upon us. He is love, and he perfectly loves us, and therefore he perfectly respects our freedom. If we say, Lord, I'm afraid, I don't want to give you control over my life, he will leave. If I say, Lord, you ask too much of me, you make me offer too much sacrifice to follow you, he will respect that, and he will not push because he is love and he wants us to love him back. So my dear brothers and sisters, we have the doorknob on our side. Let us again and again and again in our life continually say, come Lord Jesus. And every single time he will say, may it be blessed, here I am. Do you know that if you were to say unceasingly, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, every time you say that, Lord Jesus Christ, he would say, here I am. And if you were to focus that on your heart and on your mind and on your members, every single time, Jesus' perfect, loving, transforming presence and power would be available to you to become, as Father Thomas encouraged us, holy grandparents, holy parents, and holy children. So may we say again and again, come, Lord Jesus, and hear his response, here I am, my faithful servant. Amen.